Hello and welcome to the Irish Film London podcast season two. I'm Lee Brannigan and I'm joined with Jerry Maguire. How are you this week, Jerry? Really hot and sweaty. It is hot. It's very, very warm. And I'm in like a little black booth with no air. So uh, yes, I feel your pain. Yeah. Um, but I think first things first, happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. Yes. Um, there's and been lots of great also, Pride stuff around. Yeah. And also, I, mean, I love that these two kind of coincide. It's uh, happy Pride Month. And also today, the day that we're recording, is uh, happy Bloomsday. Yeah. I was thinking about that earlier and how like bloomsday it feels like a very colorful celebration of a day you know mm. which fits in well with the whole the whole pride vibes but yes happy absolutely bloomsday as well lots of stuff going on for that isn't it i think i need to also start making a tradition of watching um do you remember that film with andrew scott pride oh yeah yeah, I want to watch that now every year, every Pride Month. I don't think I've ever seen that. Have I seen it? Oh, Jerry, it's so gorgeous. Yeah. Such a great film. Highly recommend. Watch it and then we'll talk about it next week. Okay. <laughs> so, um, what's been going on with IFL? How's the uh, Irish Film London tour going? Yeah, we're still doing it. Um, yeah, we're nearly done now, actually. We've been to Glasgow, Bank Holiday weekend. Uh, we were in Liverpool. So at Glasgow, we were at the CCA, lovely venue, lovely to be in Glasgow. Um, it's quite refreshing to be in a place that was doing something different that bank holiday weekend, as in like mm. just doing its own thing. <laughs> um, uh, Liverpool, uh, we were at Fact, which is a gorgeous building in a really popular part of Liverpool. I got a whole tour of Liverpool from um, Emma Smith at Liverpool Irish Festival. Hi, Emma. Thanks for that. Um, and this week gone by, we were at home in Manchester. Um, and I got, I didn't get a tour of Manchester. I walked about a lot of Manchester, actually, and, and saw a lot of parts that I, that I didn't they didn't know about and didn't see before but yeah we had lovely mm-hmm. i'm thinking about our audience in manchester they were great and they asked lots of great questions and um yeah it was it was, it was really interesting to see so the, other, the only date we've got coming up now um for the last part of the tour is in newcastle for vivian dick's new yorker time um on wednesday the 29th of july if you're in newcastle or nearby come down to that tickets are on sale now at the tyneside cinema and actually we do have tickets still on sale for to the moon in manchester at home and that's on tuesday the 21st at home in manchester and tickets are still on sale for that as well um so yeah that's been going really good um nice. i've been up and down the country on trains a lot this month making mm-hmm. friends with trains again after not being on them for years and years mm-hmm. nice oh good so two more stops on the tour and then you are done that's me done with my with my personal tour of England and parts Lovely. of Scotland. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So in kind of film news, um, the Galway Film Flat announced their opening and closing films. So there's Joyride with Olivia Coleman, um, and Lakelands, right? Yes, that's right. So I think those are two pretty good choices, actually. Two mm, very exciting films. Really, really, really excited to see them. Yeah. So yeah. Ema Reynolds did Joyride, and that's right. who did Lakelands? So Lakelands is um, by it's a debut film by two new directors, Robert Higgins and Patrick McGivney of Harp Media in their feature film debut. I believe those guys had a really nice short film. Um, last year or the year before which made a bit of a buzz um amazing so exciting i think they're finishing their announcements um on tuesday um so i'm really excited to see the full program they also announced some uh, master classes and kind of workshops as well yeah and those are really really good um they sound pretty they they sound they sound really amazing so the master classes are with lisa mcgee who of course um is the creator of dairy girls uh, director Mike Newell, who you may remember from Into the West, which we, we screened as our family film at the festival in November, and the actor mm-hmm. Vicky Creeps. So, like, those are three people who I would love to be in a room with and love to yeah. be getting some be getting some life lessons from and listening to anecdotes by and stuff. So that's that's mm-hmm. a strong start, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Very excited for the Galway Film Club. Um, and cinema news, Colleen Kuhn. She's still there. She's still she's going still strong. Yeah, for Amazing. a quiet girl, she's not being very quiet about it. Like it's yeah. just all over her, 
our channels our socials and stuff all the time there's it's mm. just it's like the fifth week of release for that film now and it's still generating quite incredible audiences i think and knocking yeah, down box so office impressive. records left right and center really impressive Mm -hmm. so 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 impressive and also one thing i think which is kind of worth mentioning for any of our creatives out there is that screen ireland um has opened a call for applications to continue to evolve the national talent academy for film and television and the national talent academy for animation so definitely have a look into that on the screen ireland website the deadline for that closes on the first of july um if it's out there, if the funding's out there, go and get it because uh, there's amazing talent out there that needs to be seen more and uh, developed. So definitely, definitely go and have a look at that if you're interested. Um, any other news before we move on to our very exciting episode? Well, the only other thing that I really want to make sure people are aware of is that submissions are still open for the Irish Film Festival London in November this year. Go to filmfreeway.com forward slash Irish Film Festival London and get submitting we are into regular deadline territory but there's still there's still some time to go we really want to see your film if you're an irish filmmaker or you have irish heritage or there are irish people in your film or you shot it in ireland we don't care as long as we can represent ireland in some way through your film get that into us and join a growing program it's already a really popular year uh, and we've got a lot to choose from but we want to just keep amplifying that and keep giving people the opportunity to get their work seen at a big premiere event in London this autumn so go and submit your film uh, if it's a work in progress and you're not sure that it's ready yet drop us an email and let us know what, what stage it's at and we'll have a conversation with you about it there's been a few people getting in touch about that kind of thing uh, but yeah in general we're just really happy to see everyone's film come in and we're looking forward to a really exciting programme in November so filmfreeway.com forward slash Irish Film Festival London get your films into us if you're a regular listener by the way and you want to um, get more out of everything that we do irishfilmlondon.com sign up for our newsletter if you are already signed up for the newsletter and you're a regular listener become a member have a go and see if you can save yourself some money on visiting us in person and getting some free cinema tickets there's loads of other benefits again head to the website click on become a member you can see all the different options on there there's a really affordable option called festival friends and there's like a sort of a red carpet access one during the festival called festival champions um but yeah if you're if you're a regular listener and i don't think that we can possibly do enough to plug this kind of thing so we do keep harping on about it every now and again consider becoming a member and being part of the festival family and yeah we'll uh, we'll see you in person at an event with your free tickets do it i mean like always great now guys but irish film london's where it's at it's where it's at so this uh, episode is a little bit different this week um it's quite a special episode um in the sense that it's not just one person Jerry has done an incredible amount of work uh, to bring you different voices chatting about the topic of Irish language films. So who joins you or who's featured in this episode, Jerry? Yeah, so um, tiny bit of background before I sort of dive, dive into that to, to give people um, an idea of why this is occurring. Quiet Girl and Colin Kuhn is still in the cinemas after five weeks. It's literally all that anybody's talking about in our circles right now. And we thought that rather than try to explore that bit by bit, like we've kind of been trying to a little bit, we wanted to just dedicate a whole episode to this question that keeps coming up and this theme that keeps coming up, which is the rise of Irish language film and cinema. Um, So we started thinking about who we wanted to talk to um, in that field and we got lots of responses. Um, So I've spoken to a lot of different people I've kind of got like a snapshot of different experiences and different views from filmmakers and festival programmers and producers and people who work in the Irish language speaking, the Gaelgore community. And what we've tried to do is create a documentary episode, really, which explores this topic in as much detail as we can. It's probably a longer episode, but much more detailed. And I think the idea was to try and bring everything together in one go so let's see how it goes (laughs) so get a cup of tea pour a drink and sit back and relax and enjoy 
If you're part of the regular Irish Film London audience or want to get more from your experience, consider joining our growing family of members for a range of exciting benefits. Irish Film London is a non-for-profit organisation. Our mission is to promote the best new Irish film to audiences all over the UK and with the help of this podcast, the world. If you become a festival friend or a festival champion, you get perks like discounted tickets for films and events, free access to Irish Film from Home films and invites to networking events and so much more. So check it out now. Over the last few years, alongside a surge in Irish films being produced in general, we've also seen a surge in films made as Gaelica in the Irish language. Being able to watch so many films that are made in Ireland, featuring Irish people, where Irish is the first spoken language on screen, it feels like an important cultural moment. The films we're talking about here have been put forward for the Oscar foreign language category, they've won IFTAs, they're on BBC iPlayer, and some have generated huge audiences in the cinema in Ireland as well as the UK and further afield. Lots of these films seem to break through during the pandemic period, a time when maybe we've all had a space to consider who we are, and maybe that's got a part to play in how introspective people like us get about Irish language film too. But the commercial success and visibility of these films feels kind of bigger than that. So we've spoken about our love for these films on the podcast a lot this year and the pride we feel at having films in our native tongue. But what we haven't massively got to the bottom of is where this all comes from and what it might mean for the future of Irish film as a whole. So for this episode, we're dedicating some time to exploring this topic more by speaking to some of our friends and diving deeper than most of the quick newspaper articles we've read and the live Q&As that we've been a part of to try and investigate this phenomenon further. We're going to include some snippets from interviews we've recorded, especially for this episode, but also give you a deep dive into Irish language film from our perspective. So the first question we asked ourselves was, what are the Irish language films that we know? So let's dive back. So what was your kind of first memory of seeing or hearing uh, Irish language on the TV or on your cinema screen? Like for me, it was probably like I actually remember when um, when Teenage came on the air showing my age there but yeah I remember when um, TG Cahar as it's called now was first just called Telefish Nigelga and I remember that coming on air like our old TV had like it was one of those ones that had just like a couple of channels you know mm. and when, when we suddenly like TV3 was a thing and then Tina G was a thing and that was like whoa double the, double the channels now um, but yeah I always remember and I always remember thinking hmm that's interesting, but I'm probably not going to watch Ross Naroon. Um, mm. that, Ross Naroon was like one of my first experiences, though. And I think what really made me take interest in it was when when you got bored of watching kids TV on the den, you might flick over and see that, oh, SpongeBob is on. It's Asgaelica. It's like, what is I was just gonna going to say SpongeBob in Irish was like yeah. one of my first <laughs> memories of Irish on my TV I mean other than like Ross Naroon but that kind of never right. obviously at a, as a young age like really grabbed my attention but then yeah. I just always remember seeing Spongebob speaking Irish being like what <laughs> it's cool now you know it wasn't cool before yeah <laughs> that's it shall we have a, th- a chat about like if you could do, do a bit of an overview of the the Irish language films and, and stuff that we that we know that we can remember that that feed into this canon of work. Yeah. So so we mentioned Ross Naroon. Um so for anyone who doesn't know what that is, that's a long running soap that's um on TG Cahar, the Irish language broadcast channel in Ireland, mm-hmm. set in the fictional village of Ross Naroon near and Spidil. I love saying that. Um mm-hmm. There's also uh, there's a show called The Running Mate. Do you remember that? Mm-mm. So I vaguely remember this. Um, but when I was looking this up, I thought it was a really interesting one. Set in Kerry, it's bilingual, about a political candidate who forms some unlikely alliances when his campaign isn't going so well. Mm. That's like that sort of 
the wire kind of territory there although i can guarantee it's not delivered in a sort of hbo kind of um kind of fashion it's 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 its own thing um John Michelle, though he's great oh yeah yeah absolutely mm. did you ever see shocked no so this is like a bbc i'm like three. the worst person i'm like kind of <laughs> in my late 20s i'm getting on board with the irish language film now like when i was a kid i was yeah. just like no don't want to know about it and now i'm like the biggest irish language film fan you'll ever meet like <laughs> talk about a turnaround yeah, yeah, it's cool now, you know. So Shocked mm. was like, I think Shocked was, is actually a BBC Three kind of thing, like an online only thing. Shocked is a college drama about, quote, the messy lives and loves of seven students at a performing arts academy, unquote. And there's, oh my God, that sounds like a bit of me. <laughs> I need to watch that. And there's multiple seasons of that I found on either iPlayer or the, whatever the BBC three online thing is, um, but it's around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are some TV show honorable mentions. Um, yeah. I did try to have a look back and think about uh, older films, as Gaelica in Irish. Um, Man of Aaron. Do you know I mean, of this 1934. One? I think I was, I don't even know if I was even thought of. I, I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, Highly doubt it. So that's Robert Flaherty's uh, ethno-fiction film. Like that's the kind of okay. thing I I went to. I went. I did a like a film school undergrad thing, and I guess one of the ones that was like canon. Everyone talks about it, but um, mm. it's out of favor now because uh, there's like it's not seen as uh, I don't know. It's not seen as being like a pure documentary. It's like there's a lot of stuff that was made up in it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and it doesn't look incredibly favorably upon Irish people. There's a lot of sort of like potato picking kind of oh, memes God. and stuff in it, you know. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh Mish Era, mm-hmm. 1959. That's um one of George Morrison's Gail Lynn films. Uh I think Mish Era uh is important because the archive that it uses was a lot of it was newsreel and stuff that arguably would have been lost if it wasn't salvaged by the Galen filmmakers and by Morrison. And like it tells the story of the 1916 Easter Rising and the turbulent times before and after it. Um, also, his film Saoirse, with a question mark at the end. Saoirse? Uh, yeah, Saoirse. Saoirse? <laughs> um, from 1961 uh, same idea but like covering the civil war period 1919 to 1922 and then uh, there's uh, I'm going to have a stab at this uh, Art uh, Leary in 1975 by Bob Quinn um, Lament for Arthur O'Leary or Arthur Leary I think is 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 what that one is um, okay yeah, that's like a much older one. Um, I think the ones like that, that's a Bob Quinn film. And I think the Bob Quinn film that everyone kind of knows and thinks about is Potching. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of regarded as the first ever Irish language film. Right. Uh, I can't remember when Potching's from, actually. What year was did that come out? Potching. Potching came out in 1978. Uh so yeah, Potching was like Bob Quinn's kind of first ever fully Irish language film. Uh, has its own distinct style and everything. It's quite it's quite good, you know. Flash forward and not sure why, but like when I looked this up, there wasn't really anything notable that was made in the Irish language for a long time after that. There's probably there probably is stuff that's like partially mm. in the Irish language, but. But there was like, there was such a, it was kind of such a drop in it. Like, I mean, obviously mm. we've always, we've always struggled with the language and holding on to it. And, yeah. you know, if you're not in Gaelgore kind of parts of the country and stuff, it's very rare, you know? And I think yeah. there obviously was, you know, there wasn't, there really wasn't a market for it for a long time. It kind of really yeah. wasn't important um, for, I think it's really coming back in its importance now, but I think for a long time it was really kind of, people was were nearly kind of forgot about it for a while you know and also I think the way yeah. it's being taught in schools and and then you know it's kind of like any language in a way if you're not using it after school you just lose it you know whereas now yeah. with Irish language films and stuff you kind of have a bit more of an, an 
initiative i got there eventually yeah to use it or dive back into it you know i think you're right yeah i would do wonder whether the whole celtic tiger thing had something to do with it mm. we were focused on something more international and less about ourselves but but anyway definitely, like definitely. couldn't find anything really that came between like the late 70s and then the next one was around 2007 um tom collins film kings based on the play the kings of kilburn high road it's bilingual film but it uses a lot of irish language colin meany is a standout performance in that another film came out the same year cranakilla adaptation mm-hmm. of martin o'kane's book uh i think that's that's the story of an obsessive hatred that started as a case of jealous rivalry between two young sisters resulting in a broken heart is the oh. synopsis that I lifted from somewhere. And then after that, another gap of about 10 years. And then 2017, mm. <clears throat> along comes Pat Collins with Song of Granite, a biopic of Joe Haney. And the same year, a documentary called Rocky Ross Muck about the Connemara boxer Sean O'Manion's rise to fame and his links to the mafia in the mid 1980s that's quite an interesting one actually yeah Uh, because i remember we had song of granite in uh, in our festival one year yeah we did yeah a few years back that's right Mm -hmm. uh there's one other one i came across and gwilgore knocked 2006 uh that features carrie crowley who's in the quiet girls directed by nisa hardiman about a language enthusiast that's what imdb says a language enthusiast who has a midlife crisis um i'm sure that there's a better um more poetic description of that one um, and then you're into you're into the uh the sort of the, the current wave of films uh and the, yeah. the, the one that i'll include here that we probably don't get a chance to talk about very much is finky directed by dahi Kane. It's about a young musician with a tragic past who's crippled in a car accident and given a chance at redemption when he is recruited by a violent avant-garde circus. Amazing. A violent avant-garde circus. That, that's not the word you expected me to finish that sentence with. No. Uh, <laughs> sign, sign me up. Yeah. Um, there's a pile of shorts as well, though. Have you seen any of the, any of the short films on our list? I think I've seen... Um... Oh yeah, I've definitely seen uh, Yu Ming and Sanam Dum. Gorgeous. Yeah. Brilliant. So film. gorgeous. Oh my yeah. god. That's the one that comes up quite a lot when people talk about yeah. um Irish language. And it's quite like it's quite accessible. I think it's basically on YouTube now. Um mm. it is But I the... think it's it's so perfect. It's it's yeah. so perfectly done. And it also is. as well, I was in um I mean, obviously it's different because like Irish is a bit of a, a lost language, but I was in um Spain at the weekend and I did like four or six years of Spanish mm. completely had forgotten loads of it but it was kind of starting to come back to me I was really trying to make an effort and nearly every Spanish person I tried to talk to in Spanish would just answer me back in English <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it was a real like I appreciate it but this is just easier you know like yeah, I, yeah. I see you trying I see you trying okay yeah um but so you, yeah I think it's it's really sweet you know it's really it yeah yeah yeah, so for anyone who hasn't seen it, Yu Ming is Anam Dom is uh, the lighthearted story of a Chinese man who decides to move to Ireland. Um, and you, you see him on the map reading about Ireland and reading that um, the official language is Irish. So he learns fluent Irish for his trip, only to find that no one in Ireland speaks Irish when he gets there. Um, it's quite funny. Uh, there's, uh, what else is on there? There's Antanga Runda. 2006 short by Brian Dernan um, and Changa Runda, The Secret Language. I haven't mm-hmm. seen that one myself, but it, it sounds quite mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, there's one called Fluent Dysphasia from 2004. That's got Stephen Ray in it, who plays a bilingual man who gets drunk after the football. <laughs> and when he wakes up, uh, he has had a knock on the head. And when he wakes up, he can only speak Irish. Which his daughter, he doesn't realize that he knows Irish or something, and then his daughter has to translate everything for everyone else. So, uh, I love that's, that. That's, that's quite a nice little, uh, yeah. quite a nice little concept. Um, and then there's Roguery, uh, 2005 horror short featuring Fiona O'Shaughnessy. If you know Fiona O'Shaughnessy, she was in Nina Forever and Channel 4's Utopia and an Irish rom com called Goldfish Memory. Um, 
I actually met Fiona in Belfast International Airport one time, although mm. I'm sure I'm sure I remember that more than she does. <laughs> <laughs> um and then there's another one that, that people point out to me sometimes, but I haven't been able to find. Um, it's called um, A Simple Piece of Cloth. It's a 2006 short documentary that was in the Cork Film Festival, uh, exploring an Irish woman's experience of her femininity in contrast to the experience of Muslim women living in modern day Ireland. And I think if I think back to 2006, that's almost certainly uh, uh, a commentary on veils and, uh, mm. you know, yeah and stuff yeah well so then kind of since then then so that was that, there was kind of a nice kind of chunk of shorts and then mm. the last one that we talked about was kind of a big jump from 2007 to 2017 yeah but now now it's just really picking back up again kind of post-pandemic releases that's it yeah so post-pandemic stuff you've got uh you got murder mom trasna a tv documentary directed by colin barred um about a famous uh murder case which resulted in innocent men being hung features an interview with michael d higgins which is quite good and that one's actually produced 2018 but didn't get much of a much of a shout and i've seen a lot of people talking about it in in this post-pandemic time Mm -hmm. um the one that's really sort of taken off at the tail end of lockdowns and stuff is obviously aract 2020 Mm -hmm. tom sullivan's depiction of a drama taking place during the famine years uh, there is The Queen versus Patrick O'Donnell, a 2021 docudrama about a strange historic case which went to trial um, from a lot of the same people that did uh, Murder Mantrasna, same approach, same mm. production company and everything. Um, that's quite good. We had that in November at our festival. Um, mm-hmm. There is Dunin, uh, uh, 2022, 2021, 2022 released mystery thriller set in the north featuring Peter Cunyon. Rage Brennan and many more great names. That's available everywhere. It's on art, uh, the RTE player and uh, BBC iPlayer. So there's brilliant coverage of that. We uh, and another part of brilliant coverage of that is our podcast. Also, obviously, yes. Obviously. Thank you. Thank you for reminding <laughs> me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because we got the whole team in for that one, didn't we? Mm. Earlier this year. Uh, there's, the whole team there's... and their kids. <laughs> and their kids. Yeah, I remember. Uh, there's Fosca. Uh, Shelter, which came out um, uh, around Patrick's Day this year. Uh, the Connemara set story of a neurodivergent man who suddenly has to fend for himself after the death of his mother. Um, really, really great performance in there by Tony Rohealy. And then, of course, I'm Colleen Kuhn, The Quiet Girl, um, Colin Barrett's adaptation of Claire Keegan's novella Foster, which is literally still tearing up seats in the cinema. Uh, amazing so impressive and I think as well like it's just only going to get I mean between the more funding that's going to be coming out along with mm. the popularity of it just rising there's just going to be more and more so there's already a few kind of in the works isn't there there is yeah so there's there's already another Irish language film that's planned for release I think in September uh from the producer of our act Kuan. it's a film called Roche August Frank Roche and Frank uh that is kind of hard to describe uh, with, without having seen it yet but the pitch that I've been given is um, Roche is married to uh, Frank Frank dies and uh, Roche is heartbroken and then she meets a dog who she wonders whether the dog might be the reincarnation of her dead husband and she's not sure but she kind of goes for it Hold <laughs> on uh, those heartstrings yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's going to be really funny. Um, mm. There's a film called Tarak, which is the next one on the Cine Cahar slate. Uh, that's about Curac racing in County Kerry. That looks and sounds really interesting. There's probably other ones that we don't know about. Um, I mean, the only other one that I know for sure there's a work in progress is Cartoon Saloon's new uh, animation that they're doing with Netflix which is quite cool. Um, it's mm-hmm. called My Father's Dragon. They're presenting a work in progress of that this week at a big industry event. And they usually do Irish language versions of everything. Like their their Irish folklore trilogy has had Irish language versions of it that we've screened. And mm. I, w- I would assume that there'll be an Asgaelica version of My Father's Dragon as well. Um, yeah. I mean, Cartoon Saloon have been so great with, with pushing Irish animation films yeah. as well like we nearly forgot to mention Wolf Walkers and Song of the Sea as well 
Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We should have had them in the list, of course. And Secret of Kells. There, mm. And uh, the other one, the the breadwinner. I'm sure that there's a, a Scalica version of that as well. Yeah, I'd say so. One. Yeah. So that's, mm. your, that's your roundup, I think. Uh, so if you don't have enough, if you haven't seen any of those, I think there's a fair few in there to go and do some research. But before you go and do that, uh, let's dive in with some of the interviews that you had during the week, Jerry. So first off, here's what happened when you caught up with the creators of The Quiet Girl. So The Quiet Girl. Colin and Kleena are currently in Sydney. When I spoke to them, they'd just arrived and were still on Irish time, but it was after midnight local time for them. So first of all, our thanks to them for making time to speak to us. We started by reflecting on the success of The Quiet Girl and the factors that they think were always present to play a role in that success. It's obviously, it's done extraordinarily well and um... It's, I guess it's fair to say that it's it's really surpassed any expectations that we would have had going into the, the release. Um, obviously, we kind of felt passionately about the film, that it was that it was a good film and that, you know, uh, you know, it, it had it had sort of received a sort of stamp of approval of, of sorts in that it had been selected for various festivals like Berlin and obviously opened the, the Dublin Film Festival and um you know, and has won some awards along the way, but it's, you still don't know like what how that translates in terms of your cinema audience, and particularly now in the kind of post-COVID environment, um, there's just such great uncertainty about independent cinema and its theatrical uh, life. So yeah, we've been just really bowled over by by the response to the film. You know, and it's it's you know obviously it's a UK Ireland release, so it's not just um, our own sort of our own people as it were responding to it it's it's really being embraced in the UK as well um and yeah it's just I guess it's just it's very gratifying and it's very to me it's it's a testament I think not only to the film in and of itself but also to the sort of extraordinary emotional entity that the original work was Claire Keegan's Foster um and I feel like the film has been a kind of a vessel for that um, and that we've brought what Claire created to a new audience and that they're they're responding, I think, in the way that readers have responded to her work in its literary form. Um, so, yeah, we're just we're really just over the moon, I guess, is the fair way to say it. Yeah, I suppose we always felt like the film had huge potential. But, you know, until it actually goes into the cinema and until you, you know, you see the, the box office figures, you really, you really don't know how well it's going to do. Um, you know, like even when we were making the film, we really felt like there was, there was something special about it, like on set and when the rushes started coming through, you know, we felt there was, we had something quite important, I think at the time. And then I remember even the funders watching some of the rushes and them saying, you know, this is just the rushes, you know? So, but um, I suppose, as you said, like Berlin really helped us and then opening Dublin Film Festival really helped us and then winning the IFTAs, you know? So it built up this big profile um, for the film. And, um, but I, I guess what we're surprised about maybe is when you compare the, the, the box office figures to other independent films, you know, even films that were, were made in, in, in Cannes last year. And when you compare both, you know, you realize, gosh, actually we are kind of punching above our weight in a way in terms of um, numbers. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And even more incredible that it's an Irish language film, you know, and that it's doing well in, in England and um, Scotland and Wales. And, um, you know, even last night, the figures, I think it was half of the audience came from the UK. So, you know, it's it's amazing that 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 level of word of mouth has built up and that news is spreading of the film and it's it's doing equally as well over in the UK now as it is in Ireland. And it has been a success, but the journey it's taken has been a very visible one because of the continued discourse around it. Like our socials have been hopping with quiet girl comments. So I asked them about whether they felt word of mouth had been a factor in the film's visibility. I think it's quite clear. Like you look at the sort of box office 
figures and how they've sort of developed over we've we're in week five now i think of our release and um you know traditionally there's a certain curve that occurs with box office figures and with on colin kuhn the quiet girl it's been it's sort of been largely sort of consistent and, and sort of which is a clear indicator that it's a it's a word of mouth film you know that people are telling other people oh you should go see this and because you know we obviously don't have a huge advertising spend or we've not, we don't have a big marketing kind of campaign behind us um so you really are reliant with a film like this on people actually enjoying it and telling their friends or their family you know you should you should go and go and see this film and and that's that's definitely what's happening and and I guess that's one of the great things about even you know uh, social media these days that you can you can see that sort of immediate response of audiences to your film and so we've been really uh, kind of humbled by the response that that we've been reading just on Twitter and on Instagram you know to the film like these are people who have no connection to us or to the to the film they're just you know members of the public who are taking to social media to to speak really passionately about the film um and that that means the world to us you know and it's cross-generational as well you know we saw a picture the other day of a family of you know a grandmother a daughter and the grand granddaughter and you know so there's three generations going to see the film which is really lovely and you know we're hearing stories of of adult children bringing their parents and parents bringing their teenage children and that so it just it seems to be quite a universal film that appeals to young and old which is which is really lovely that definitely reflects our experience of the tons of commentary that we've seen around the film so i would definitely agree that it's a word of mouth success story what other reasons do they think there are as to why this film in particular has been so successful well i think first off I, I I do genuinely think that there that what what Claire Keegan created was so powerful and so special, and it was a matter of sort of tending that and sort of guiding that as in a way onto the big onto the big screen. And um, I, I think there's just an innate sort of uh, emotional potency to to the work, um, and you know people are really connecting with that. You know, so for me that's that's the first thing. Um, but then it's like, you know, it's still, even though you've got this great literary source material, it still has to work as a film and, it, you know, and we were so lucky that we, we got, um, young Catherine Clinch, um, who, who plays the lead role and is in pretty much every scene in the film. Uh, and I think people really respond to that as well. It's like, it's like finding this wonderful new talent, you know, it's like, she's, she's just this extraordinary young person that, um, everyone is, has been really impressed by and, you know, people talking about her as like a, a possible next Saoirse Ronan or whatever. So I think people like to get behind that as well. But I, I do believe it's just that I think everyone, all the departments on the film really just knocked it out of the park. Like, you know, Kate McCullough and cinematography and John Murphy and the editing, Stephen Rennicks with the score. Um, all of the various departments, I think, were really just delivering extraordinary work. And, and that was evident, as Cleona said, like in the rushes, everyone was like, wow, this looks incredible you know so it's like you marry all those different elements and you you also have then the sort of the 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 sort of uh the comfort or the the what's the word but like the the security net or the, the that is the original source material that you know works that you know is this like incredible story um and then if you you just put all those other pieces together and you have a, a film that has the potential to connect them with audiences and I think the word authentic has been used quite a lot, like when it's been attributed to the film. And I think that's quite true that there is something very authentic about how the characters, you know, portray their lives or how how Ireland is portrayed in the film as well. And like it feels like it's 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 based on Clara Keegan's foster, but it, and it's a story about this young girl. But it, it feels almost like a story about Ireland in some way, you know, and. And it's it's that throwback to the 1980s, and people feel like they can identify with that, or it it just it, there's something really innately nostalgic about the film as well that people people can identify with, you know. Um, yeah, and also like that that distinctly sort of Irish uh, psychological makeup or emotional makeup, you know, that we I think people are responding to that sort of 
you know, like we're, uh, I think Irish people are very uh, loving, kind of, you know, innately sort of emotional and loving, but that we're not always the best at, at communicating that or, you know, that there's a sort of an emotional reticence that, that, that sort of defines us in, in many ways and certainly did so in our past. So a lot of people I think are like seeing their own fathers or like seeing someone who was like their uncle um, or seeing themselves in, in court. And it's like for the response to be that emotional, I think it, it, it's, it's a clear sign that people are seeing parts of themselves or people they know in these characters. Um, and yeah, so that's, I, I definitely think that's, that's a factor. Focusing on The Quiet Girl only gives us part of the story, because even though it's become phenomenally successful, it's part of a wider wave of film, which has been produced in the Irish language in recent years. So where has all this come from? To find out, Jerry caught up with some friends, and one of the first people he spoke to was Aracht director Tom O'Sullivan, who's at the tail end of his experience with releasing a film Osgelga. Tom is busy writing at the moment, working on some new projects, so we were able to catch him on a call he took from his garden, which looked idyllic. We started by asking Tom about releasing what many would say was the first big Irish language film of the current wave, and about his experience of having gone through the release of a previous highly successful Irish language film. I need to mention Finky first because um, Finky came out the gates before we did, um, but it was in the same round. And it's a brilliant film and people should see it. It's just a shame it didn't get a proper release and the pandemic definitely hampered that as well. Um, so for me, Aracht, um obviously was life-changing for me as a filmmaker and a first-time feature maker. The making, the releasing, everything was quite strange. Um, the release obviously happened around COVID and then it got that kick, kicked down the road for about two years and then we eventually came out in October. 2021 um, I suppose the overall for me overall feeling of the whole thing was the feeling of support that I got from production company uh, from from Screen Ireland from TG Cahar from BAI um, and to have that support early on as a filmmaker you know at concept stage was just an incredible freedom and also, when you're given the support at that level and, and, and at that early stage as a, as, a, as a filmmaker, you cease to kind of second guess what the audience might want and you start to develop um, what you want. You, you start to write the film that you would like to see when you sit down in the, in the cinema. There's an incredible freedom to that. And I think that's what these schemes achieve. Um, and that's why the work that's coming out now is so strong because writers aren't second-guessing themselves. Filmmakers aren't second-guessing themselves. They're given the carte blanche to say, you know, I'm going to make the film that I want to make with very little interference. Um, all of it, any interference was positive. So Tom talked about being supported by schemes that exist in Ireland to help fund films and to support Irish language filmmaking especially. And you'll hear that a lot in this episode because it's the same thing everyone has said to us, actually. Lots of factors are at play here, but we can't have a conversation about the Irish language film without talking about T.G. Cahar. Ireland's Irish language broadcaster has been around since 1996 and generates content including long-running soaps like Ross Naroon and daily news bulletins Red Oskelga. But they've recently set up another arm called Cine Cahar, which is where films like Aracht and Colleen Kuhn have come from. So, Jerry spoke to Marie Nicholan, one of Cine Cahar's executive producers, about the scheme. It was actually Alan Esselmans, um, who is our CEO. That was his baby, his brain, his brainchild. And um, he always felt that, well, I suppose Teacher Cahar started in 1996. And we've had so many producers and directors coming through, you know, making television programs for us, making fantastic documentaries, etc. And I think he saw it as, what, what's the next step? And where can we actually go and maybe use the language and see, show it as a kind of a cinematic experience, not just for television? And why not, basically, is what he was trying to say, you know, and it's just to normalize the language and for people to see that it is normal, especially in Ireland, but also elsewhere around the world. And I think recently 
um, when you see in LA and especially with the Oscars that so many really good films are coming out and they're in their own native language. So why not? Why not us? Why not? Why not Irish? And I think that's how it really started. But also what we were trying to do is develop these fantastic producers, directors that we have here in Ireland who are wonderful storytellers. And where can they go next after they've made such great documentaries? And, you know, let's get into drama. And I think that's why Alan set it up. And myself and Dervla really are in charge of just the reading of all the scripts that come in and then choosing the ones that we think will go through. And what we're looking for really is, um, I know I shouldn't say this, but maybe we'd love to get an Oscar and why not? Basically, everyone we talk to says the same thing. T.G. Cahar is the really driving force behind this wave of Irish language film. Um, I have to be honest, um, I, I don't feel that this wave has occurred because that there's some kind of national stirring of the Irish psyche and, and, and that suddenly, you know, these writers are coming out of the woodwork and creating these Irish language pieces. I think the pure and simple answer to the question is the reason why these films are landing now and are coming out now is because that back in 2017, there was a scheme set up called Cine Cahar um, that um, encouraged writers uh, working in the Irish language, be them playwrights or uh, novelists or whatever, uh, and filmmakers who would have a background in the Irish language like I do, to give it a go. Um, and I think it's as simple as that. They, they've, commis- they've commissioned two films every year for the last four years so there's eight in total I think on the way and then they're commissioning two more I think this year and that's it it's support it's nurture that's it it's being nurtured and now it's it's showing fruit and it's really positive and it's a lesson for all of us. TG Carher already has a track record of delivering good quality creative documentaries like Murder Mam Transa and Queen vs Pod and they continue with that for the first few Sydney Cahar releases, which were Rocky Ross Muck and then Finky. But the recent big cinema releases, Arocht, Fosca and On Colleen Kuhn, are all from the Sydney Cahar scheme. The next release, Rosie August Frank. So keep an eye out for that one. Up to now, there were hardly any Irish language films made. You know, you could count them on your on one hand. And so there was never an opportunity for people to go to the cinema to see films, to Irish language films. So I think now uh, Irish people are maybe more proud of their heritage, more proud of their language. There are a lot more um, Irish language schools, um, you know, both primary and secondary. And uh, I think there's a bit now more mortis or broad um, pride in their language more so than before uh, a long time ago and i'm going back it was seen as the language of the poor uh, but now that seems to be changing um, but I'd, I'd like to still go back to how we are great storytellers we are wonderful poets we you know we have the best poets the best storytellers everything we have great novelists great short story writers so why not be able to do it also in the medium of cinema or the medium of television and i think that irish lends itself to film and to television because we have more words we we have we can we see things in a different way i think people who speak the language perhaps have a a different way of thinking and a different way of seeing the world So it really all comes from the funders and the opportunity that they've given filmmakers to express themselves in the Irish language. Next, I wanted to investigate what impact that had on Irish film audiences. So I spoke to Gronia Humphreys, festival director at Dublin International Film Festival, where lots of these new films have had their Irish premiere. We started by asking Gronia if this feels like something new or if she's seen a steady increase in films in the Irish language over the years. Wow, I mean, I think 
to my, to my mind, it's actually, and unfortunately, I'm going to say this, but it feels like it's relatively new. I mean, you'd love to think that there's a long, long history of Irish language films, particularly those kind of hitting an international kind of, you know, uh, audience. And I mean, in my own study, back when I was doing an MA, it was actually Bob Quinn and Queen Art O'Leary, you know, and a very particular kind of kind of Galway-based, very political kind of, of, of cinema. And sure, there's been some Irish language, you know, shorts, there's been some documentaries. Um, but I mean, Aracht seems to be genuinely, you know, something that seemed to be the start of a new wave. And, and the, the quality of the film um, and the, the way in which it was really, I suppose, maybe the second Salmon film in, in, a, in a couple of years after Black 47. Um, but also the way that it actually, as I said, started a festival journey. It started in Tallinn. It, it got fantastic reviews. There was a huge buzz about it. Um, I remember showing it in, in Dublin just before, obviously it was meant to take off. Um, and we all know what happened with that you know, bloody pandemic. But the legacy of that film was just this awareness of this Irish language um, scheme from TG Carr. And it was also the fact that there were a lot of extremely fluent, talented Irish actors and I think that's the other side to it that the, there's a kind of spotlight on the talent of Irish acting um, that suddenly seems to be having its moment you know we spent an awful lot of time talking about Irish actors who make their debuts in Irish films and then immediately seem to be snapped up to go to Netflix or go to a, a, a big TV show uh, in, in the States or the UK and what's lovely here is just to see the quality of actors across um, age groups and and styles who were able. I mean, thinking of somebody like Peter Coonan, for instance, in um, Dunin, Dunin, I think is how you pronounce it, um, and and obviously Donal, uh, who did Arak and then did Fusca. You know that you actually have a, a series of films and um, providing opportunities for young uh, for young Irish actors. But I suppose in in a way, you know, Arak, you know, as I said, went to a lot of international festivals, and that gave people suddenly an awareness of of Irish language cinema. Um, and I think the quality, the I suppose the kind of quite narrow focus, they're not huge budget films. So they, they seem tend to be quite streamlined. They seem to be very kind of well uh, made films, which seem quite, quite kind of linear. And as I said, uh, I, what I love about them is, is that they, they realize their ambition within this frame. You get a sense that they really are working towards an audience. They're, there's no, they're lean. You know, they don't have the kind of maybe some of the slightly more ornate um, aspects of, of kind of English language cinema that seems to kind of feel like, oh, we'll throw in a special effect here or a particular kind of dynamic. Um, and there seems to be a lovely kind of uh, sincerity and kind of depth to them. And I mean, I'm saying that trying desperately to find these kind of common threads to the Irish language films. But really, um, I was lucky enough to see on Colleen Kuhn last summer. Um, and it was then I genuinely saw all of these things come together, you know, incredibly sensitive and beautifully told story, very quite kind of small miniature, nearly like a short story, you know, in that sense of, of you know, a small number of characters, huge amount of emotion, wonderful simplicity and honesty in the emotion. Um, and I, I really hope that again that it would it would get to a really big international kind of platform um, screening, which you'd have obviously got in, in Berlin. Um, and a lot of great word of mouth. And, and I think the thing that's interesting is, is that the strength of, of the film connects with audiences. There's people talking about going to see a film and crying, connecting with it, bringing all ages to see it. In a way that people talk about usually kind of big studio films, they call them four quadrant films, you know, films that appeal to this age group. So what is lovely about this is the Irish language quality or the Irish language um, element is, it's, is a selling point, but not a detriment. And I'm fascinated by that. I'm so proud that people are going to see a film and embracing the, the wonderful direction and storytelling without feeling like there's a negative connotation to the fact it's not in English, you know, and finding that a difficulty or an obstacle that has to be overcome or or the first thing they have to say, you know, that dreadful line, Jerry, you know, I went to see it and it's great, but it's not in English, you know. And so what I think is really exciting about it is just the general kind of international embracing of this film.
You know, I mean, it's it's rolling out across Europe as far as I can see, you know, in terms of awards, in terms of festivals and the Irish and, and UK box office is now well over 600,000, which is kind of phenomenal. So, Gronia and Colin Coon had its Irish premiere at Dublin International Film Festival in 2022. What do you think this success means for Irish film in general? I think that I think the thing that's interesting about the success of Colleen Kuhn is that it's a it's a huge piece of kind of, you know, uh, it's a huge opportunity whereby we are suddenly one of the big talking points internationally for, for the, the kind of global, if you like, cinema industry. So everyone is talking about Irish language, Irish films, and that's really exciting. Irish talent that we have something that is a big selling point and it's how we maximize it. I think the interesting thing from my perspective is, is that, you know, TG Gahar have this strand. There's obviously a, a, a group of films that are coming out. They're finding their way through the world. And uh, one of them has hit a huge box office target in Ireland, which also represents vast amounts of people. So that's an appetite that people will want to capitalize on. People who went to the cinema to see this film will immediately be saying, oh God, I'd love to see that. What's next? So what is, as, as you've said, coming down the tracks? And, and again, for Irish filmmakers, you know, hilariously, there will be people saying, well, I have this project and I'm really excited about it, but do you know what? We could make it in the Irish language. You know, we could think about doing it in a particular way that we didn't think about before because now there's a track record, there are successes, there are comp you know, comparison titles, and there are also international festivals who are aware of Irish language. Um, Dominique Green, who runs Dinar, told me that the films that she screened last year, the Irish language films sold out first, you know, that that's actually, you know, that there is an appetite out there. So for filmmakers to know that there's a scheme that you can make the films through with T.G. Cahar, know that there's an audience there, that there's an appetite, you know, for, for this work. Um, and that there's, as I said you know, before, an integrity and a structure to, to the kinds of films that they're interested in. I think that's kind of brilliant. I've seen a couple of films already ranging in mad, mad genres that are in the Irish language. I mean, I've seen a, a kind of famine horror film um, that, that has been made that's really interesting, possibly tending slightly more towards the kind of commercial end, if you want to describe it in that way, the more genre way. And a bit the way that Dunin actually had a kind of genre whodunit kind of quality to it. And I think that's what's really interesting. You know, it feels like it, if this connective tissue is just purely the Irish language, then you can run from, you know, adaptations of Claire Keegan um, novellas the whole way to genre pieces. And there is something quite exciting. And the fact that we've discussed before that it's not specific to an age group, you know, it's not specific to 24 to 36 or to an older, older audience. It means that you have a vast array of, of different ways that you could play it. You know, you could look for a kid's film, for instance, or you could look at a particular rom-com that would be really interesting. And I think what is great is that T.G. Kahar for years has been making fantastic television dramas and working in a really exciting way in terms of, of documentary particularly. So I think there are, there's a generation of filmmakers who've been working in and around the Irish language and in and around the kind of programs and program formats with the kind of editorial engagement where people are interested in playing around with narratives and length. And I think that there's a really exciting point now where we could find some really exciting films building on the success of Colleen Kuhn and finding very receptive festival directors, distributors um, in, in the future. And as I said, all coming out of a particularly quite modest project, which is this particular scheme, which I think gives it a, a wonderful lack of pretension. You know, a lot of schemes, you know this, Jerry, from going to festivals where you see something and it's really heavily promoted, kind of nearly propaganda-like approach to a national cinema. What's lovely about this is it feels organic, it feels real, and it genuinely feels like it's celebrating talent. You know, so I think, as I said, it's a really exciting time to be a kind of new graduate from one of the film courses, because suddenly you have an opportunity to, to really make a film, you know, or the kind of film that we'd all love to see. And, but, you know, you can make it in English, you can make it in the Irish language, and suddenly that's a, that's a, that's a win-win scenario kind of exciting. So worth mentioning here, there is a growing number of people, especially outside of Ireland, who are learning Irish as a language. 
Duolingo also says that in 2021, Irish has retained its popularity in Ireland as the number one language to study and has bet out Spanish for the second year in a row. Jerry spoke to Alana Gallagher at Cunner na Gaelga, London, about her experience. Well, Cunner na Gaelga is an Irish language organisation that it, it is international and it supports both native Irish speakers as well as learners and they do that through a number of means through organizing events they've got a bookshop they are very politically active so putting a bit of pressure um, in a non-party political way to promote the Irish language and Irish language rights and here in London in our local branch we put on various events to support the Irish language community, such as a pop-up where people come and meet in a pub and speak Irish together. And we put on cultural events as well, involving music and film particularly as well. And we've recently run an immersive language weekend also. So there's a real group who appreciates the language, who are learning, who are native speakers right here in London. And it's, it's a really great way to meet up with people who have that interest and support each other and also have a bit of crack while we're at it. Alana is someone we've worked with at IFL over the last couple of years. She's helped to screen films like Cartoon Saloon's Song of the Sea to community audiences Oskelga. We've screened films by Loch Jordan set on Troy Island. And she's partnered with us on our sold out screening of Aracht at the IFFL 2021. So Alana, how important is it to have films on in the cinema in London, which are Asgeliga, which are in the Irish language? So I, I am going to answer this question a little bit upside down, because I, I think I need to speak from my own experience. And I, I'm not a native Irish speaker. I learned Irish in school throughout primary and secondary, and I've only returned to learning Irish again in the past many years about four years and that was through listening to a podcast called mother folklore that kind of reignited my interest in language Mm -hmm. and i think for for me over the past few years irish has given me a real sense of connection and place and i guess company and friendship uh, in in a way that i I didn't realize that I really wanted, but I, I really enjoy. But I was also thinking from your question about representation. And I think in the past few years, we've got a lot more aware of how important representation is to different mm-hmm. people from different backgrounds and different minoritized groups. And there's something about hearing a language that you feel very connected to and that speaks to your heritage and seeing it on on screen on the big screen that I think instills a real sense of pride and uh, be, being seen and heard and being able to say to other people oh that, that's our language and it, you can listen to it too you don't have to go seek it out somewhere you know it's not hidden away it's actually readily available to you there and I think it's sparked off lots of conversations and even just watching Twitter the past while, how people are all retweeting and enjoying the film just for what it is, not because of the language per se, um, although that might have sparked an initial interest. There's kind of a standard list of Irish films that are well known and that people really enjoy and it's great that they're there, but there has been such an absence of of new things coming through and maybe with Cartoon Saloon it felt like there was actually some space opening up and some interest opening up in new films in the Irish language and suddenly to have you know one release after the next has felt really exciting and to have films coming out in different genres that have different focuses and different themes and different characters like it's quite diverse what's coming out and I've, I've really enjoyed that aspect of it too. The Irish are great storytellers and that's our 
main thing. And I think if we can tell stories through visuals, which we can, our films can travel anywhere in the world. Things like the uh, basic income for artists scheme that they're launching and all these initiatives. I was, I was just cycling home thinking about it. Um, that wouldn't it be great and, and I talk to contemporaries of mine in other European countries and, and they're quite proud about the support they receive from their country um, and it's I th- I see real green shoots in terms of that um, I think the, the, the government powers that be um, are starting to see finally the commodity that not just the cultural commodity but the financial um, the, the you know, the addition it brings to the economy, the business, it does. It's kind of rewritten the map a little bit and made people go, hold on a minute. Um, maybe we should invest in films that aren't necessarily tuned towards the box office as such. I mean, and Colin Kuhn would have gotten made under a different scheme. I don't know. Uh, would Arif have gotten made under a different scheme? I don't think so. So there you have it. We've heard from directors, producers, festival programmers, funders, and the story seems to be the same one from everyone, that these films exist and are successful because they are supported. When we started to draft this podcast episode, we wondered if we might uncover some deeper cultural meaning behind a wave of of Irish language films that have just arrived and whether this was like a, a big cultural moment for us and, uh, and we still think it is but that's maybe for somebody to reflect on at a later date right now we're all thinking about the support that we've got from schemes like Sinicahar and from BAI and from Screen Ireland and all these different institutions which really are making a difference to how Irish stories can be told and the reach that they have. So if there's a takeaway from this, it's that our communities need support and that we need to continue shouting about the successes that we have to make sure that we all continue to feel supported in the future. So that's it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, thanks to Culture Ireland and the Irish Emigrant Support Programme for supporting this work. We hope to be back with a new podcast episode very soon. Until then, have a good one.